Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CPA Advisory Show. My name is Chris Herbershon. I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Wells. Jeremy, how you doing? I am doing well, as always. How about yourself? Best day ever, probably. Middle of tax season. I mean, how could it get much better? Anyway, <laughs> today we've got a super special guest. We've got Kelly Ward of Robinson and Ward PC Certified Public Accountants coming to us first time ever from Alaska. Kelly, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's nice. Awesome. I think it's uh, 10 below outside, so we're good. <laughs> Only 10? It's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. It's a solid 80 here, but we've got pollen, which is a different, that's a different animal altogether. Yeah. Anyway, nobody wants to hear us talk about pollen. So Kelly, what do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? What's like all the good stuff? Just give us some background. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a tax practice that um, has kind of evolved over time, started initially, you know, just a little bit of everything for all clients. And here in the last few years, we've really focused on small businesses i.e. like the mom and pop um, businesses that you can really build relationships with to be able to add in tax planning, um, you know, advisory, all of those kind of things to be more impactful to their entire lives and not just doing a tax turn once a year that you never see them again. Very cool. So this is, I know the answer to this because we've talked about it, but I'm going to ask a stupid question because our listeners haven't had the pleasure yeah. of having the conversation, but how, how would you say it's different operating in Alaska and building those relationships for somebody who maybe is in San Francisco or New York or whatever, and a lot of their clients are within walking distance or, you know, there's just a lot of them. So how is it? Different? Right. Yeah. So it's one of those things that when you say it out loud, people are like, are you serious? Um, while we don't all live in igloos or anything crazy like that, we do actually have clients that you cannot reach for a good part of the year, um, whether like that be physical or otherwise. So like we have clients that they can only get to their houses from um, airplanes, like small Cessnas and things, or in the summer, they can only get there by boat and in the winter only by snow machine because once the river freezes. So like that's a real, um, a, a reality up here in regard to things. And of course you can imagine for those clients that are living out, um, out of, out of everything, they don't have internet, they don't have cell phones, you know, that are working and things like that. And so we have to actually plan around um, dog mushing, uh, uh, the dog mushing um, event or the snow machine. We have clients that are do the snow machine races across the state and things like that. So, you know, they're not going to be available during that time. Um, and then we also have a lot of seasonality just, you know, because of the, the summer season, but actually more so on the flip side. The winter season, um, you know, we've got a lot of, like I said, the dog mushing, the winter tours, the Aurora tours. So people, you know, driving up to see the Aurora Borealis, which has been magical this week, actually. Um, so like that's one thing is actually the physical limitations. And then the other thing is, um, you know, I'm sure most of everybody has kind of seen some of those Alaskan shows and they, they get that that mental picture and stuff. But Alaskans, we don't really like the status quo, um, you know, like social media stuff and um, staying with the trends. That's not a thing up here. We're usually several years behind what's happening in the lower 48, as we call it. Um, and so, you know, it's nice for me in 
I feel like I can be um, kind of progressive for Alaska, even if I'm, you know, maybe a couple of years behind the norm in the lower 48. So, you know, like doing packages, doing, um, you know, tiers and things like that. It's, it's funny because I'll get the ideas from, you know, fellow CPAs and friends and things like that. Bring it up here. It takes a couple of years to take off. Um, but compared to other firms up here in Alaska, I'm still ahead of the game. So it's kind of really fun just uh, having that advantage. And then, I mean, like just the stories, you're not going to get stories um, like we get. Like I said, I mean, I've got a client that just won one of the dog mushing races, um, you know, and then I had a client that just went through the, the snow, machine array, snow machine race across Alaska and places every year. And you get to see, you know, him being welcomed by his kids because dad's been gone for a couple of weeks out, you know, driving 100 miles an hour on a snow machine day in and day out. So it's fun. <laughs> well, you brought up the sort of public perception and the public coverage of Alaska. So other than gold mining and crab fishing and, and these mm -hmm. kinds of things that these popular TV shows are about, you, you said most of your clients are mom and pop shops. Give us an example. Like what, what kind of clients are you working with that might be something out of the ordinary for uh, an accounting firm down here in the lower 48? Yeah. Um, and so, so, you know, we have, I, I know obviously everywhere right now deals with staffing issues and things like that. And I would say we just have a little more extreme version of that because, um, you know, people usually, unless you've heard of Alaska, you know, and it's been like a lifelong dream to move up here. The only way usually people will move up here is if it's military. Honestly, we've got a lot of um, bases, both Air Force and Army up here. Um, and so that's usually how people get here and they'll either retire or come back. Um, so those that are born and raised here, on the other hand, um, so I think about, you know, I've got a couple of, of, of mechanic shops, a lot of mechanics, um, things like that. It's, it's trade, it's, you know, you're trained from starting middle school, high school, and then it's taking over that business and things like that. So, you know, like the gold mining, that's, we think historically, you know, you go out and you dig and stuff, but we, the, the mines up here and the oil companies and stuff like that, um, you know, they're 24-7. The, for instance, our clients that work up, that we call it working up on the slope. So, you know, it's they fly in, they're there two weeks working uh, and then fly out two weeks off. I mean, they're there 24-7 kind of a thing. And so, you know, those kind of relationships they're not seeing their families for half of the year, literally half of the year kind of a thing. Um, so we have a lot of that. Um, we have a lot of um, arts and crafts. So like think uh, like handmade stuff. So think some of the native, um, the native artwork, the beading that, you know, the just the historical um, that's true to their their history. So a lot of beadwork, um, you know, the moccasins, the um, the dream catchers, like all of that stuff that both impacts um, them from from that historical aspect or whatever. But also, you know, when we have all the tourism and stuff like that, these are the people that that's where they're getting their sales, um, and so. Things if if these individuals are not teaching their kids how to do beadwork or how to speak the language, we have um, 
numerous native languages up here. And a lot of them, you know, are, are becoming lost if they're not passing that down. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's, you know, maybe not as traditional, but otherwise it's, you know, like I said, kind of just the, the everyday jobs, the mechanics, the, um, we have a whole lot of, you know, boiler and plumbing just because um, we have to have a different type of, of heating systems up here. Um, I don't know if most people know, but we literally have to plug our cars in once it gets to a certain degree, um, just because our cars, we have to have certain things, battery heaters and um, oil pan heaters and stuff because it gets so cold that the vehicles will stop working. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just more of like the tradition of the, the work that's getting passed down. We see a lot of family businesses where if the kids aren't taking over, the businesses are usually, unfortunately, um, are not going to make it. So we talk a lot of, on this show about cloud accounting and it's mm -hmm. kind of all the rage in, in the profession right now. And mm -hmm. based on what I'm hearing, like that's, that's not really a practical thing to have your practice mostly based on cloud accounting, being able to just sit there and hook up all these different apps to QVO and then get on a Zoom call and have a conversation. So like how is delivering advisory and, and, and accounting and tax, how is it, how is it different? And like what percentage of your, of your practice can you, can you deliver via cloud mm -hmm. and you know, what's more physical, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say we still are able to do about probably 80% the traditional cloud accounting way and stuff like that. And we do in that method. Um, the ones that are not necessarily were able to do those kind of things with, they either have, um, you know, pass on the torch and let us handle it full service where we've got, you know, the access um, to the bank information. You know, we either maybe we're getting mail delivered to our office, something like that. We have a couple of clients that, that we have to do that because they literally don't have um, mailboxes out in the bush. Um, so those kind of things we see every once in a while. Um, and then we do. So while I'm physically located in Fairbanks, I have clients, you know, throughout the state. And so um, we will make trips to certain locations. So in tax season, I'll usually go down to Anchorage and meet with clients, Anchorage, Wasilla, Eagle River, as an example. That's 360 miles away. That's the next largest city. So I'm flying down there to meet with clients, whereas, you know, some, you know, some CPAs are prepared. You may be going 10, 15 minutes down to like the next town. We're 360 miles away from the next largest. Um, same thing like Valdez is 360 miles south in a different direction. Valdez, you know, Valdez oil spill. Most everybody's probably heard of Valdez, but it's a very small town um, in Alaska. It's a it's a seasonal town. So in the summers when it's booming, the winter, it's pretty dead. Most things are closed up um, and they have no CPAs, no accountants, um, really no bookkeepers or anything like that. And so we've actually for about. I think it's been like 20 years um, at this point, we go down there during tax season to meet with clients because if we're not going down there, they're having to go, you know, somewhere else. And if we can go down there, spend a weekend, do, you know, eight, 10 appointments a day, we're getting most of, of the town, you know, the businesses at least taken care of. Um, and we're offering a service that 
other firms are not going to do. They're not necessarily going to travel 360 miles to meet with clients. And so that's, that's super helpful. We usually will take a couple of staff. So if we have nonprofits maybe that need help with bookkeeping or some bookkeeping cleanup, we're able to have one staff member do that while, um, you know, one of the CPAs is meeting with clients and things. And then, you know, just for those smaller towns, it's very common for them to come to the big cities um, for groceries or, you know, office or uh, Costco runs, things like that. And so when they're in town, we get to meet with them. So I would say like one of the nice things is we may see our clients more often just because you're building that relationship so deeply from the from that initial, you know, first meeting because you're having to kind of go out of your way a little bit. Um, but that's that's what to me it's about is the relationships. And that's what I love so much about it is, you know, you get to watch these businesses start from like the dream and, you know, really build up and stuff like that and, and go through the ups and the downs with them and, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'd say like overall, we still are able to, to hit a big, a big portion with the cloud accounting. Um, we have to do a lot of training for, we, uh, with the truck drivers, the ice road truck drivers, things like that. Um, you know, we got to remind them that the receipts don't go on the dash of their trucks and, you know, that kind of thing. So if they're not able to do the apps, you know, we kind of have, we, we actually provide them with like some envelopes and stuff. And it's like, okay, this is, this is what you need to do. Um, so kind of trying to, to train them uh, through the process and really letting them know that at the end of the day, we're taking care of them, trying to make everything easier for everybody. So when you are going to these different towns around you, I mean, that's a pretty substantial trip. So you're, you're going there to meet people, obviously, but are you actually setting up some sort of like temporary remote office and workspace there? Or are you just going to meet and maybe collect some information and then take all that back to the office? How are you logistically not just spending yeah. a lot of time on the road and then bringing back mm -hmm. a ton of work to your main office? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So like Anchorage area, it's obviously a large city and um, our state society, the Alaska Society of CPAs, that's where their office is. So I'm able to use that without cost. Um, to meet with clients, which is really great. Um, I do a lot of education for clients, um, spe specifically realtors. It's one of my niche clientele. And so I'm going to like the Keller Williams offices, things like that, and usually doing a presentation and then meeting in one of the offices, um, you know, for the rest of the day, kind of been going through those. Um, and so, you know, I'll be down there for maybe two or three days and I've got um, got those kind of setups to be able to do that. Valdez, what we do is um, we actually get a suite at the hotel. There's only a couple of hotels. Um, it's mainly Airbnbs and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Bed and breakfast is rather, this was before Airbnbs were a thing. But, um, and so we'll actually get a suite at, at the hotel that'll have like a little setup and um, we'll meet in, in that hotel room because there's just, there's not any like office spaces that you can really um, rent or anything like that. And so they're used to it at this point. Um, we used to do it at the, the bed and breakfast um, or the Mexican restaurant. It's so it's just like they're, they're used to that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like it's not even a questionable thing. 
you know, we, we obviously try to get as far away from, we're not sitting right in the middle of things, people having lunch, talking taxes, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It just makes, like I said, the relationship deeper, but, um, otherwise we have, as far as like the logistics of our firm set up, um, so I moved to Alaska, it's been 17 years ago now, and I, at the time, I was a military spouse, of course, and um, I was only planning to be here for three years. So I kind of started that process of, uh, you know, kind of stubbornly, I wanted to be able to work and travel and, you know, still work for the firm and stuff because I really liked the, the people. So we've actually had a, um, a completely remote option for 14, 15 years. Um, and so being able to travel, um, meeting with clients, we still have access to all of our information. Um, and then kind of going back to earlier, what I mentioned about the, the staffing issues, we don't have, um, we don't have a pipeline up here in Alaska. Um, we do have some accounting um, majors that are offered at the university, but we don't have a master's program. And so, and then you think we're graduating like eight accounting students a semester or a year rather, and um, they're fighting Fairbanks, Anchorage, lower 48. We have, um, we have a BDO in Anchorage. We have KPMG, a remote office in Anchorage. We don't have any of the, you know, the larger firms and stuff like that, but, but the whole state is fighting for these accounting graduates, you know, including the school boards, um, the borough, which borough is basically like a city uh, or a county uh, in lower 48. So we're all kind of fighting for these people. And so kind of going back to like our situation, I have a staff of 21 and six are remote, just otherwise we, would, we wouldn't have enough staff. Um, we're actually right now in Fairbanks seeing, um, we're pretty much all of the, the firms are at the point where we're having to interview new clients, having to have a hold on new clients just because we don't have the talent um, to be able to hit to, to, to really offer the services and the quality services that we want. And then we have a couple of CPAs that are retiring and their businesses will be closed because there's not anyone that's able to take over their business and their clientele. So it's we're really, at least in Fairbanks, we're in a... Um, in a little bit of a sticky point right now. And just, we're all trying to, to figure out how to make it work. Um, luckily, and then I think this is one of those benefits of a small, small town. We all are, you know, friends. We're not, I mean, we're competing, but we're not competitors. And so, you know, it's like, we're able to kind of um, talk through issues like, Hey, you know, are you taking this kind of client, that kind of stuff? Um, and so able to push people towards who was going to be able to best serve them, which, I mean, I just, it's such a blessing. And um, I'm really glad to be able to live in a place where I don't feel like I'm having to fight, you know, my competitors or anything like that. It's like, we're all in the mess together, sending emails like, hey, what are we going to do about this? And, and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's kind of a sticky situation right now with, with talent, of course. How has the pipeline been trending? Now, there, it sounds like there's at least several dozen organizations that are basically fighting over eight graduates yeah. per year. But how's that, is that trending? Has it been steady? Like it's eight every single year or is it trending down? Is it trending up? Like what's that look like? Yeah, um, I'd say it's been pretty steady, starting to slowly trend down. Um, and then 
you know, what we see is, is, you know, I, I think it's somewhat typical of like, I'd say, you know, like Laura 48, the, the staff or the students rather, they're graduating, they're going to the CPA firms, they're getting their tax and audit experience, and then they're leaving and go into industry. Um, and so like a lot of the, the, the staff members, you know, it's like once either maybe if they're females and, or, or they're having, you know, families, they need more flexibility or not being able, not having to work as much during the tax season. We see a lot of that working from home. Um, so those kind of things, I'd say after the first five or six years, they're moving into that industry position. Um, and so what we have is we have, you know, like the interns per se, that those kind of junior level accountants, but that mid-level manager, senior, that's where a lot of us are having um, kind of gaping holes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall that trend is it, it's now we're starting to see it slow down a bit when we have budget issues with the universities. Um, we're very fortunate up here to have a couple of great ambassadors for accounting in the the University of Alaska Fairbanks with Amy Cooper and the University of Alaska Anchorage with Stasia. Um, and so they're very great. Um, they get the students in and stuff like that. Um, so that's something that uh, we're fortunate to have. They're talking to the students about all the opportunities, you know, and like, hey, if, you know, you don't know anything about audit, you're not really interested in doing that. There's a whole nother world. You're not limited, you know, to just this or this. Um, and so I feel fortunate in that regard. It's just overall, uh, our population wise, you know, less people are moving up here, less families, less people having kids, like just that whole story. Um, and so overall, we're starting to see the slow, um, the slow decline in, in students and graduation and stuff like that. And I mean, in Alaska, the other thing, which um, I feel like this is probably not something that other states necessarily have to deal with, but our, our uh, CPA candidates, they have to fly, some of them, 360 miles to get to a testing center. Um, you know, so like we don't have a testing center just down the road um, for, for, for everybody. Um, so like, you know, those that are living in Juneau, which is, Juneau is the capital of Alaska. You'd think that they're going to have stuff. No, they're having to actually fly to Anchorage. Um, you know, which at that point you've got your testing materials, you've got your test costs, and then they're having a flight, a couple hundred dollar flight plus hotel just to be able to take the test. So it's an expensive, um, an expensive thing. I mean, most all of our firms here, like I said, in Alaska are, are very, they're passionate, they're giving, they're going to be able to help the, the, um, the employees to get through that process. But it's, you know, it is, it's just another kind of barrier to entry, honestly, that we're facing. Man, that's crazy. So do you think over the longer term, like your firm and firms like yours are going to be looking more toward remote? And how are you, how are you thinking about that strategy as far as staffing remotely? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, and, in, and in fact, you know, like kind of a couple of those uh, employer, not employees, but the firm that I mentioned earlier that are retiring, one of the main reasons that no one really wanted to kind of pick up their, that, that firm or partner with them and stuff, A, they had no, you know, they were at the point where they had no staff, but 
be as they were still paper or completely paper, you know, so you're having to train the clients, you're having all of that kind of a thing. And, and, um, you know, and it's like, you can go through that process or you can wait and get them in the, you know, in the long run or whatever. Um, but for myself, uh, what, you know, it, it's, it really was a need, um, a couple of years ago where I was like, I, I'm already working, you know, 80 hours a week during tax season. I'm one of those um, employers where I feel like I can't ask you to do something if I'm not doing it. Um, I'm also, I don't have a spouse or kids to, to um, kind of pull me away. I've got my pup and he's the only one that's super needy. But, um, you know, so like I was at the point where me physically, I'm just, you know, was maxed out and it's kind of like, okay, what can we do? Um, and so I started, it actually started with one of our employees. She, they moved and, um, you know, we kept her on. And so she was able to go through that process of really like, what's a tax season look like? Where are our hiccups? You know, where are kind of like the, maybe the lags or the inefficiencies? We were able to kind of troubleshoot through that over a couple of years. And then in the last two years, we hired, we have, at this point, we have three full-time accountants that are working remotely. And three of those, actually all three of those have never um, been in Alaska, you know, in that in the office. And so, you know, I had one of them, I was just very open in the beginning. She actually, her and I went to college together. You know, she had some life changes and I knew that her major was in international business. And, you know, it's like, hey, I know you're you're going back into the, you know, the, the workforce. It's, she had been, she had done audit previously um, for like a larger corporation and stuff. And I was like, hey, are you interested in maybe doing this? And so, um, you know, we kind of tried it out, it worked. Um, you know, she's used to that, the the accounting mentality. She, she had a lot of, you know, the, um, kind of the verbiage and stuff and, and just the work ethic. And so we were able to kind of start that. And then this last year we had two, um, graduates that kind of word of mouth from actually clients. The last two employees I've gotten were actually sent from clients, which is, I think, an, an incredible, you know, um, kind of just show of faith in the firm and stuff like that. But they, we, we've got everything set up, you know, like, like I said, we work through the issues that we face, make adjustments, things like that. Um, and at this point, my executive assistant, she moved to Georgia um, and most people don't even know that she's not physically in Alaska because she's just able to do so much. You know, clients have no idea. They'll come in and ask for her and she's, they're like, oh, no, she's in Georgia. Um, and so it's really worked out. Um, it's funny because our staff, and I think this is interesting. Um, we actually did, you know, it's like some polls because we're constantly trying to get feedback, make sure everybody's happy and stuff. We actually asked the staff in the office, gave them the option to work remotely, especially with when COVID came on and the ones that are in the office actually prefer to physically be in the office, whereas the ones remote, you know, prefer that. So it's a good mix. Um, everybody's got that option to work kind of either way. Um, and they kind of pick their poison. You know, some people it's like they've got dogs or families at home and, you know, they know that they're not going to be able to dedicate the time or the concentration. 
Um, and then what we've this last year, what we've actually done is um, added a couple of bookkeepers remote. Um, and that's kind of been the newer, um, the newer phase of, of um, getting kind of branching out and stuff like that. Uh, at this point, I've got a couple of family members. Um, I have to like not be in charge of training, training them or giving them feedback because, you know, you, it's a little more vocal. Uh, when you do that with family, um, but it's been really cool. We other the other thing that I never expected to have, which I think has been uh, very interesting, and as a small business owner, one of those things where I never um, expected to see as much benefit from is we actually hired an, an HR manager, um, and I will say she is my sister. Um, you know, and she's, you know, she's comes from working for some corporate companies. So, you know, it was a big gulp in like pay because I'm like, man, you know, this is accountants pay. Like I could hire another accountant, but just her coming in and, you know, dealing with those issues, it's you just as a, as a business owner, as a, you know, a firm owner of any sorts, I don't think we realize how many tedious little things that we have to deal with. Like, Oh, the IT issue or, um, you know, like the time off and scheduling vacations or weddings or, um, you know, your continuing education, just all of those things, having that off of my plate. And, you know, she just comes at me with kind of some of the higher level, hey, this is going on, that kind of stuff. So I'm always in the know, but I am not in the, you know, guts of it kind of a thing that has been very very helpful. Um, she runs the staff meetings now. We have weekly staff meetings. That was something that I was doing, you know, so it's like I can kind of just dictate to her, we want to do this, this, and this. She can get drafts together and then I can, feed, you know, fill in for like our, our firm developments that we do a couple of times a year. Um, she's also so much better at, um, at actually documentation because, you know, it's like we're doing it in passing or whatever. And so it's like, just the whole process. It's more streamlined. It's more, you know, um, we've got the feedback going out, you know, those kind of things. So that's actually one thing that I never expected to have. And it's been a real blessing. Um, don't tell her, like I said, she's my sister. I can't, can't give her that um, pat on the back. But, um, and I, that's something that, like I said, while I wouldn't have necessarily wanted to put out the cost um, I would, you know, that would be one piece of advice maybe to others. If you're at that point where you have, you know, staff, it's, it's definitely something to think about. And then she's also able to help in areas. She's open and able to help in areas, um, that we need her, you know, during tax season, she can help in things that maybe are not in an HR wheelhouse, but it allows her to, you know, understand the process more. Um, you know, and I know not every person is going to be willing to do that, but that's something that, has been super beneficial. We're not quite at a year and I just, you know, I, she's been worth her weight in gold for sure. And she actually, she was remote and she's enjoyed the staff so much. She's moving to Alaska. Um, so that's, yeah, you don't see that happening too much, but she's actually moving up here because she's just enjoyed working with the staff so much and um, kind of wants to be of more help, more service. Hey, it's Chris. Thanks for tuning into the show and we really hope you're enjoying it. If you like the show, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you really like the show, please leave us a review and we'll read it on the air. 
If you have a service or an app that is tailored to accountants and you want to get in front of several hundred accounts that listen to this show every single week, send us an email at host at cpaadvisoryshow.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. What about offshore staff? So you've got some remote staff. Have you looked at, uh, do you have any offshore staff? If not, have you looked at that? Uh, are you considering that? Is that part of uh, your staffing uh, strategy at all? Yeah. Um, so we have, it's one of those things where I've like tossed it around, but I haven't actively looked. Um, I am not opposed to it. Um, I, I think for me to be able to move forward, I would really have to kind of like get some fillers from clients. Um, you know, just change is different. Change is hard. Um, and anything up here change wise, um, ruffles some feathers and things like that. Um, but it's, I feel like this last, I would say this last year is the first time where it's been really something um, that we've had to think about. And it's, you know, just because kind of like running out of, of, of options a little bit, um, you know, and things. The other thing. Uh, the other factor is just, you know, with, with so much more, like with the way things have streamlined and the services being offered, you know, to, to us firms and things like that, I feel like it's a safer option. It's a, you know, I mean, obviously it's a cheaper option for sure. And I would say this year is something that I would think about. I have not done it previously or whatever, not for one reason or another. It's just, putting out other fires first and, you know, not necessarily looking at the thing that's right in front of you. <laughs> so your services are obviously a little bit trickier to deliver. And I'm curious, how are you packaging this up and how are you pricing it? And what's that strategy look like for, for you and your firm? Yeah. Um, so I will say my, um, so I bought, I bought in and then bought out my prior business partner. And, um, you know, he had, he's a, one of those good old guys and, um, Pricing was initially, um, you know, hourly, like, or well, by the, you know, six minute increments that we're used to, like all that kind of stuff. So we've done a lot of change since I came on as um, kind of management and owner in the last 10 years. And so ours was actually kind of a slow process. Every year we would do a little bit different. One of the biggest changes, which, I mean, if people are still billing by the time, I would definitely, you know, say, make the leap. We actually, when we went from just um, billable time to billing by the form for tax returns, prices increased, um, you know, across the board. We had less negative responses about that than anything just because it's like, well, this is the form price. It is what it is. You know, somebody can argue with you, like, why did it take an hour? Last year, it took 20 minutes. But a form price is a form price is a form price, you know. So it was, that was a very interesting um, kind of realization when that happened. Fast forward to where we're at now, we're basically onboarding all new clients and then and and, and prior clients. We do um, we do packages, and within those packages, we have some tiers. So, you know, our, our ideal client is going to be full service where we're going to do bookkeeping, payroll, a tax return, a tax estimate, quarterly advisory, um, corporation maintenance, you know, making sure their biannual reports are up to date, that kind of a thing. 
Um, and so that's like the ideal client. But you have some clients that are going to have, you know, payroll in-house or bookkeeping in-house, something like that. And so what we start with is we have a baseline and then we have the pricing. We, we do like, for instance, payrolls, number, number of employees uh, and states at this point, too, because we have a lot of clients that have employees in other states. Um, but essentially, we have a conversation. You know, this is what your option is. When it comes to the tiers, that is more about um, method of communication and um, kind of also like the level of communication. So, for instance, they're not necessarily going to get access to me throughout the year as a CPA um, throughout the year unless they're at that higher tier. Um, they, they would have access to accountants and stuff, but we're not, we're not necessarily going to be sending me emails about, hey, what about this and this and that? Um, and so that's where those tiers come in. And for the most part, I think it's been really good because you've got those clear, um, it's everything is laid out in black and white. This is what you get. These are your expectations. These are our expectations. You know, if you're, if you're adding bank accounts or you're adding locations or things like that, like, you know, there, that's where we're going to have some scope change, uh, you know, pricing change and stuff. But I think just having those expectations up front is really important. And then from that package, we've done it essentially like that subscription where they're paying it monthly. Um, and so, you know, it's for budgeting purposes, that's very helpful. We do have some clients, like I said, you know, earlier with seasonality, we do have some clients where we're getting into maybe they're paying more in the summer or more in the winter, depending on their season. That's also been super helpful. Um, and then we just kind of also have like a, a running list of clients with their busy season um, so that we can not be reaching out to realtors in the summer when they're going, you know, 90 to nothing or like, you know, for instance, dog mushing. And right now in the February, March, that's when they're busiest just because the snow's on the ground. They're able to do that stuff. Once you get into April, so snow starts melting. Um, you know, they're not able to run as much. So it's just also like really paying attention to the clients and their needs, um, you know, that kind of a thing. But the packages has been, that's been kind of one of my visions for a long time. And that's 100% how we onboard everybody now. And then just kind of getting retroactively getting people, you know, our prior clients, getting them into that. Um and then really it's just the communication. Because if you're not talking to them when they have, you know, another bank account or two, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit just because, you know, then when they've added three more and next year you want to increase their prices, it's it's a little more of a battle because you didn't do it along the way. So there's definitely been some, some you know, trial and error through that. Um for sure. But for the most part, I think having the consistent pricing has been very helpful for, for clients. I don't know. A little while ago, you said that you might be progressive for Alaska, but behind compared to the lower 48. But I don't know. You sound right on par to a progressive firm down here as well. Because <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's certainly the sort of trajectory of thinking about mm -hmm. going from, like you said, billable time 
to pricing the services mm -hmm. to productizing those services, right? And then eventually the subscription model. We've had Ron Baker on uh, to talk about that, uh, talk yeah. about the subscription uh, model that he's talking about. So, yeah, you you said you know there there there's been uh, you know some successes and some errors. Where where has that not worked? Where have you met with some resistance? Where have you had to go back and say, okay, maybe, maybe we didn't get the price right on this, or maybe we didn't get the service description right on this, or maybe we weren't clear on what was in the package versus not in the package. Like, where did you really hit a point where you almost gave up on the whole thing, but then, you know, you, you decided to stick with it? Yeah. So honestly, I am the problem. <laughs> um, I... I have a problem giving up, like giving, giving up, delegating, like things like that. Um, and so where we've run into problems is where I want to be more involved because like I care, you know, those kind of things. Um, and so where maybe the client didn't want that level of package and I'm like, no, you need me like, you, you know, like, or whatever. So some of it is just uh, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, thinking, thinking that, you know, what the client wants. Um, and that's, that, that was, you know, some of that's a little hard to, to swallow, but where, where it hurts the most, like where I, where I go and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, are we ready or should we do this is when the clients say that they can't, you know, it's not affordable and stuff. And we've done a lot of, you know, like we've done a lot of pricing as far as like, you know, rolling it out, figuring out how, how to price it and things like that. We've gone back payroll for the longest time. Payroll was a loss leader for us. I mean, for years, and, um, you know, and it's like, we're not going to be able to compete with Gusto's pricing. Like we're just not, um, you know, or, or things like that. And so kind of knowing like, it's okay that we're not the cheapest, but you're, you're not going to get your, you know, the IRS letters or you're like, whatever, you're not going to get those situations. Or if you do, you're, you're going to be taken care of. Um, but hearing clients say like, they can't afford us like that, it hurts. It's like, you know, okay are we doing something wrong? Like, should we not be that? Like that, that kind of stuff internally is where I'm like, well, maybe we should go backwards. The other thing is I am the worst at pricing, honestly. Like I, ha it's like one of those things where I know how to do it, but I have to like catch myself because I'm originally from Mississippi. Uh, you know, Mississippi, low man on the totem pole for anything cost wise, right? In Alaska, one of the higher ends of, of things. And so that's another area where, um, you know, I feel like I need to compensate. Oh, you know, this client lives in, in Nebraska or this client lives in Montana. And I feel like I need to kind of adjust that pricing based off where they're located. That's another thing where I found myself and I'm like, no, like at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is what your value is. Like they can find people to take care of them you know, but are they going to care as much? Are they going to be there for them? Are they going to give them that service? And I think that's, that's where I've just had to really like kind of um, remind myself. The other thing, and, and I actually shared this in a leadership class that I was helping with a couple weeks ago. I am very fortunate to have super smart friends. And so 
what I would what I would advise people to do, firm owners and stuff like that, is get on some of those Facebook groups for like, you know, the accountants and stuff and see some of those questions that they ask. And you will realize that you're so much smarter than you think you are. Like, you know, it's, Jeremy it's, loves those Facebook groups. He'll talk, I mean, to you, he'll talk to you about those Facebook groups uh, for days. I have, yeah, I have gotten kicked out I, of more Facebook tax and accounting <laughs> groups than than I'm, I'm currently I'm in. Like, and I'm in quite did a they few. Just ask that question? I'm in too many. <laughs> I feel like I learned that in accounting 101. <sighs> so, and so, like, that, I have to remind myself that, like, I have smart friends. We are like, we are, you know, the 1%, we are the 10%, whatever percent we are. Like, I'm going to pretend we're one percenters, right? Just because. But like, realistically, like we are at that level. And so when I'm comparing myself, I'm comparing myself to a higher level. And so my expectations are higher. But when we look at like the grand scheme of, you know, options out there, and I'm not saying, you know, every, I'm not saying firms are bad. I'm just saying it's like, you know, there's so much diversity and stuff. And so that's also really helpful is, you know, like the number one complaint we get when we when clients come to us from their prior accountant or whatever is, you know, I, they never talked to me. They never advised me. They never we never talked about planning like um, I could never get, you know, email responses like just all of these things. They're they're, you know, what they are wanting, what they are needing, what they're just dying to have is someone to talk to them, like someone to advise them, you know, like that they're just dying for that education and stuff. And that's something that education to me is, is, is very, very important. I was an adjunct instructor for uh, 14 years actually in accounting. Um, and so like, that's something where, you know, and I, and I, that's the first thing I have a conversation with clients, you know, it's like, especially like I said, my realtors, I'm like, okay, do you want me to just tell you what to do and what you do wrong? Do you want to understand it? Like what level of nagging do you want? You know, and I, from the very beginning, and I'll tell them, I will nag you all day, every day. Like I will be like your ex-husband or ex-wife, whatever. Um, you know, but like those kind of conversations where you're laying it out up front, I think are important because, you know, then it's, you've got that laid out, you know, what to expect, what they want, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the the value is in the relationship. The value is in the communication. Um, you know, a tax return. I mean, what we know, TurboTax or whatever it was this year, you know, roll, rolled out their business pricing. Like anybody can do that, right? It's not about the tax work. It's the advising. It's helping them change their family tree. It's, you know, helping them with the generational wealth. And that's where the value and where those pricing, it's that's what they're paying for. So we didn't say this in the episode yet, but Kelly and I are both in the same AICBA small firm networking group. And I attended my first meeting of that group in, what was it, November? November? Mm -hmm. I think it was November. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at some point, like my wife texted me, she's like, hey, how's it going? And it's like, this is the group of individuals that I needed like three years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just so helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I definitely recommend that anybody who's listening, go out and like find yourself a crew who understands how to operate a firm yeah. and who's thinking progressively about how, how to operate a firm. And Jeremy, this is a great opportunity to provide a shameless plug for the show, but the episode that we published back on December 15th um, called Feeling Lost and Running Your Firm, Here's How to Get Help, where we kind of went through some resources and uh, you know things that you can do as a firm owner and resources that you have to go and 
just get help. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, they're like therapy. <laughs> For I mean, you know, it's like last night, I know, um, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night last night. I, you know, put into the our, our networking group Slack channel. It's like, hey, you know, I feel like this, but I just need, you know, a second opinion. And, and I know this morning I'm going to wake up and have an answer. It's just somebody, you know, to be able to to not judge you when you have silly questions or someone that's going to have more expertise in an area that like, you know, is not your, your everyday, you know, run of the mill genius. Yeah. But honestly, we all have silly questions. If you don't have yeah. silly questions, you're just, you're kidding yourself. Like, we all yeah. have silly questions and it's fine, but just realize it's right. like, it's yeah. not silly to you. It might be silly to somebody else, but probably not. And they'll help you. And right. you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest things that's actually changing in the profession is, is especially as firm owners are getting younger is replacing that competitive mindset and you had touched on this too with like your local com like competitors air quotes with just the abundance mindset that i think younger firm owners have and exhibit in a variety of different ways and jeremy i think that you you've experienced that too right yeah for sure yeah. absolutely well okay so let's let's take a step back then because you know we've gotten into right how how you might form this network, how you might reach out and find some support once you're in the profession. But go back because you mentioned uh, at one point you were a military spouse. You moved from Mississippi to mm -hmm. uh, Alaska. We didn't get into your background. So like, how did you actually yeah. get into the accounting profession? What was your start like? What, you know, what was different about, I, I've been, I've only been in the field for about five years now. So, so what was different mm -hmm. when you got into the field versus now? What have you seen change in yeah. the field? And, and yeah, like give a little bit of your background and, and, and some perspective yeah, on where you're coming from. Absolutely. So I come from um, a mother and father who can't add two and two and get four. So I don't know how, you know, math uh, was my thing. Um, but it, luckily it was. Um, and so I actually had, I had never, I'd never heard of accountants or anything like that growing up. So it was a friend of mine's dad when I was a senior, um, he knew I liked math and he was like, have you ever thought of an, of an account of, you know, accountants? That was the first time I think I'd even really heard it. So I started college in Mississippi and I took calculus one and accounting one just to kind of see. And, um, that's a light semester. And I did it. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Um, I did a little bit better in calculus actually, but, um, but it was one of those things where it was just like, I knew I would only be able to teach and, you know, or for the most part, that kind of thing. And so, and I actually had a professor, I think it was maybe my second year that did like beta alpha psi. And he was really the one that kind of opened my eyes. Um, he was into like the accounting information systems. And so it was just, that's really what kept me there was him. Um, the one thing that, and, and you know, like I said, I, I went to Mississippi State. So, you know, the SEC schools and, and just, I guess, the lower 48 where, you know, I was outside of Mississippi State's between like Jackson and Memphis, basically. So, um, you know, it's, you've got the big four, like that kind of stuff. I'm trying to, it was probably, I think it was more than the big four at that time. But um, so anyways, going through um, the internship process, I remember only like all they pushed was the bigger firms. And I remember having to choose if I wanted to do tax or audit before I had had 
I think it was before I'd had audit for sure. I'm trying to remember if I'd had tax, but you know, it's like you're making these decisions without any background. Um, it's like choosing a major before to... you've ever actually worked in that field, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I don't know why I'm supposed to go to the big four, but I'm supposed to go to them. Um, you know, like just that kind of a thing. And the other thing that was that's outside of, of Starkville is we have in Mississippi, we have casinos. So that was like another thing that was kind of um, they were doing a lot of interviews. Long story short, I you know met my future husband at that point and our future ex-husband. But uh, anyways, I met him and I ended up um, with because he was a year ahead of me. So I ended up um not getting any of my internships like i don't know i i mean i i had good grades i don't people just must not have liked me um but anyways no so i didn't get any of the offers at the big four that first year so i think that was when i was a sophomore applying if i remember correctly because you could do it twice like you could apply twice anyways long story short with him being a year ahead of me i ended up graduating early so i didn't do any internships in college that's, I think, one of those, okay, that probably affects my future pivotal moments. I moved up to Alaska. Uh, we actually did not know where we were going to be moving until he had already proposed. And then it was like, oh, you're moving 4,000 miles away from everything you know. So that, that was fun. Cool. Um, but anyways, we move up here. I, um, I, I literally just called all of the CPA firms in the phone book. The largest firm, just so you have like some perspective, the largest firm here in Fairbanks is probably about 20 people physically in the office. So maybe 25. So we're not, I mean, and, and there's only like three of those total, um, you know, and that includes bookkeeper, admin, stuff like that. So these are not, you know, they got maybe five or six CPAs on staff. So anyways, just so you have some perspective there. But I called all the CPA firms in town. And um, this is like one of my favorite stories. I got a couple of interviews, did some interviews. And the the firm, Robinson, it was Robinson and Associates at the time. But the firm that um, I decided to go with, Paul told me, he's like, I mean, I don't really need any anybody, but eh, it would take some work off my plate. He had a staff of five. Like pretty much everyone was admin or bookkeeper. There was one accountant. She was not licensed, anything like that. And I was going to get my own office and they had country music on the whole music. And that was the kicker. It was like, I'm in Alaska, but they have country music. So I felt like home. Literally how I made my decision. I mean, it worked out gloriously for me, but I probably wouldn't recommend that for others. Um, and I also remember the, the firm, another firm that um, that offered me a job. I told them, you know, I was like, I'm going to go with another firm because they're smaller. And they actually laughed at me. And, you know, I'm like, OK, well, that was a good decision if they're laughing at me because I'm going with a smaller firm. Well, I think that's really important to think about, right, as a firm owner, yeah. because you know, it, it's not just finding clients, it's also finding staff right now. And so much of that for both is culture, right? And so what kind of culture, yeah. what kind of vision, you know, what kind of, you know, just, just what does it look like to work with you, right? As an employee, yes. as a client, as a vendor, yeah. right? And little, tiny yeah. little things, right? What hold music you choose yeah. for the phone, yeah. you know, can, can be yeah. one of those things that for somebody out there, a potential <laughs> staff member, a potential client just kind of yeah. kicks them into wanting to work with you or not. Yeah. 
Well, and, 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 and as you're talking, I just remembered the other thing, the reason, the other reason was that other firm, they signed out when they took me to lunch. It was like one of those, you know, couple hour interviews and they signed out. And I remember not wanting to have to sign in and out every time. Um, you know, it's, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I started there expecting three years, um, you know, and then we were going to move and that kind of a thing. And I ended up really just immediately having relationships with clients and stuff like that, where, it, you know, it's crazy. These are still to this day, um, you know, those those beginning ones and stuff. But uh, one of the guys that worked with me, he was an older an older gentleman. He he was not a CPA. He was an accountant. And until he, he, I think we worked together for like five years, but the whole time he was actually still pushing me, like whenever it was time to move and stuff, he was like, you need to go on, you need to spread your wings, you need to get some experience, you know, at one of these big firms and stuff like that. And um, so it was interesting because he was pushing me in that direction. And I, and I'm glad that I never did. For me, um, the relationships are, have always been the most important thing to me. And, you know, I know every firm's different and stuff like that, but from, you know, the people that I personally knew that had worked at some of those larger firms, you know, it's just a person on a team and they wouldn't even, you know, meet the owners or you're dealing with boards, um, you know, and, and stuff like that to make decisions. What I love is like when I'm having the tax appointments or the advisory, you know, appointments and stuff like that, it is quite literally a husband and wife or a husband and a son, you know, or, you know, a family of four, like the two kids, like you're, you're quite literally talking about decisions that are going to affect these people in front of you. And, you know, like, do you have a retirement? Do you have an exit strategy? Because if you don't, you know, it's like um, the reason that I think I'm so passionate about it is like I said, my, you know, my, both my parents, they were small business owners. Um, you know, fast forward at this point, I, I'm one of them's my employee and I'm supporting the other one. You know, it's like they no one told them to save money. Social Security is not enough. Disability, you know, VA, disability, like whatever, it's not enough. And so, you know, if, if we're not having those conversations with the clients, like, you know, it's their kids. It's, it's that kind of stuff that are going to be affected. And so, you know, from that personal experience, it means so much more now working with these clients because I can say, look, I am here. You know, this this was my mom 10 years ago or 20 years ago, like that kind of a thing. And if you're not saving, like I know you want to pay for your kids college, but are they going to pay for your retirement? Like, are they going to take care of you? Like that kind of stuff, because no one if, if you're not having the conversation with them, no one else is having it. Likely. And it's hard to think about that during the the. the you know, the, the tax season, right? Like when, yeah. when you're trying to yeah. get as much work done as possible, but I, but that's one of those critical touch points where that conversation mm -hmm. might need to happen. Hey, I've been doing your tax return for five, 10 years now. I noticed you've never put right. anything into retirement. We should have a conversation, yeah. you know, in May or June about that. Kelly, mm -hmm. um, this has been amazing. We're running up against, uh, time here. Um, but it's been super interesting to hear about, uh, your experiences and yeah definitely our first alaska uh guest so very cool to have you on the show yeah absolutely it's been great that was awesome thanks so much kelly sure Jeremy, we've got an email that we're going to read and then we've also got a review which one do you want to do first let's do the email all right so the email is from donnie shimamoto 
who is going to be a guest on the on the podcast soon. And Kelly, I'm pretty sure you know him, right? Oh yeah. Cool. Donnie, yeah, Donnie is just a gem of a human for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that guy. But anyway, so he apparently discovered our podcast and he writes, and I, I did say this was long. So here we are. Uh, hey guys, I'm loving the conversations that you guys are having on your podcast. I'm sharing them out as I get through the episodes. On the last episode I listened to about KPIs, you guys had a brief discussion about why CPA and law firms are only allowed to be earned by licensed CPAs and lawyers. This is because of the duty to the public and the perception that the duty is put at risk if you have owners who are not licensed professionals with a requirement to upload that duty to the public with the risk of loss of license. Basically, it's to ensure that both types of firms stay true to their duty to the public without the undue influence for personal gain. It goes on. For the CPA firms in many states, you just need to have licensed professionals, i.e. CPAs, hold majority ownership. So non-licensed individuals can be made a partner, just not a majority. Because of this limitation, many firms don't make it widely known that non-CPAs can be partners as there is a limit to the number and it could cause contention among non-CPAs in a firm to get to partner level. Now, um, as an aside, Jeremy, I think we should probably talk to somebody who is a non-CPA who is also a firm owner at some because I think that that would be a super valuable conversation. Well, we had Patrick Dichter uh, on the show uh, several episodes back. and uh, Yeah, so I mean like... Yeah. like well, so so practicing, yeah. um, you know, yeah, right, in a, in a traditional firm model. Yeah. No, it's an interesting point. I mean, and it relates back to, you know, point Kelly's talked about and others on the show have talked about uh, as far as the pipeline, right? And like at some point, if we don't have enough CPAs to do the day-to-day work, then, you know, that's... The, the, the next step of that, you know, the, ne- the mm-hmm. next uh, downstream effect of that is we don't have enough CPAs to be partners in, in CPA firms. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Last paragraph. Um, so note that being a CPA or a law firm can exempt you from certain laws due to the higher level of standard of care that is already placed upon both professions via the codes of conduct or standards of practice. This is also why they limit who can become a CPA or law firm. Otherwise, owner- owners who are not held to these codes slash standards may register themselves as a firm and get the exemptions without having to comply to the higher standard. Hope that makes sense. Looking forward to being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Donnie, for yeah breaking that down. Yeah, thank you, Donnie. But Kelly, what do you think? I think it goes, you know, it's like as we change like the CPA exam and stuff like that, you know, it, it's one of those things where we may have to re- rethink about how firms are structured, um, you know, and things like that. And I mean, I know I've seen in my realm up here, like financial statements, it's like that used to be the thing where why, you know, CPA you needed the compilation review audits, things like that. And I know I'm, I'm having clients that are not necessarily needing that stuff anymore. Um, and also I have two staff members that are worth more than their weight in gold and they're never going to get licensed. They're just not, you know, with their situation, I would definitely, you know, um, consider them for ownership. I mean, they bring a lot of value and stuff and I understand like the, you know, the legal issues right now with, you know, PCs and things like that, where that's a requirement. But um, I think it's it's probably about time to flip the script on some stuff just with, you know, to keep up with, with demand and um, education and just, you know, the offerings that we're giving out. Totally agree. I think we almost have to move in that direction as a necessity mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, just the thing that happens. Um, okay. And then last one, we got a customer review, which is really just a podcast listener review. Make sure why Apple Podcast calls it a customer review, but that's a topic for a different discussion. So it's five stars, it, and I'm yes. I, I, yes, I'm, I'm okay. I don't butcher this, but it's to June 31. 
And it says, great show. Great show that provides a wealth of resources. My favorite so far is the December 15th episode, which, by the way, I shamelessly plugged about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, you did. <laughs> have to listen again <laughs> and take notes. Thank you so much for that review. And, of course, anybody who's out there listening and wants to leave us a review, please do so. We will, if good or bad, either way is fine. We will read it on the air. Um, so that, that wraps it up. Jeremy, thanks so much. Kelly, thank you so much for yeah, joining absolutely. us and providing your perspective. Super valuable and, and always love hearing um, you know, your take on things. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, it's Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the CPA Advisory Show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Leave a rating and write us a review. We'll probably read your review on the air too. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at CPA Advisory Show. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the show, let us know by emailing host at cpaadvisoryshow.com. Thanks again. 